It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. It's a beautiful day for neighbor. And Mike's not here. Mike's not here. That means Jacob gets to swear. Gets to do a lot of things that he doesn't normally get to do. I mean, I could already... Welcome to this episode of Mike's Not the F Here. I'm your host, JJ Banks, and welcome to this very special episode of Tangent Kings. Did I mention Mike's not here? Welcome to this very episode of Tangent Kings. Hi folks, it's your boy, JJ Banks. Mike has the night off. And because of this, we've got a very special episode of Tangent Kings. Brought to you by the biggest Tangent King of all, me, JJ Banks. And as a subst- <laughs> as a substitute for... Our friend Mike, I have very graciously asked a friend to step in. So, without further ado, please give a round of applause and a warm <coughs> welcome. One second, we're gonna pause this music. Very warm <coughs> welcome to our friend, Mr. Reich Wazowski. Say hi, Reich! Hello, everyone! Wow, you look so much like Mike, right? You seem like, uh, you seem like you, are you a Vikings fan, right? Yeah, I wish they win the Super Bowl. Okay, this is a bit stupid as f So, no, anyway, uh, jokes aside, I had this whole bit planned out where I was just gonna be like, oh, yeah, we'll just have the sock puppet talking the whole time and I'll do a stand-in for Mike, but at, like, five seconds into the bit, I'm like, this thing is stupid as f So, th this evening, we're just gonna, we're gonna take a load off, we're gonna relax, we're gonna have a good time. And uh, we're going to sip this very lovely uh, glass chalice of Jameson Irish whiskey, triple distilled. And uh, it's actually my first time having it. Uh, I've had a couple sips already, but we're going to have a couple sips now. Our goal is to finish this. It's about the equivalent of a shot. We're going to have some of this, and we're going to see how it goes. So wish me luck. It's whiskey, obviously, so it's strong, but it's not bad. I got some from the uh, nearby my house. They built a new, what would you call it? It's uh, it's a Coburn's. They just built a Coburn's around here, and there's a new liquor store. And so I was like, well, okay, let's get a couple things. So we got some mead, and I said, well, I really want some Irish whiskey. 
which I've never bought before. I've had, never bought before. And I don't think I've had JMO, Jameson. I never had some JMO straight up. So yeah, no, got some of that. And I'm going to adjust this a little bit more here. There we go. So you can see my face. Yeah, so got some JMO and I've been sipping on it and it's been absolutely fantastic. So uh, this evening, I don't have any show notes set up. Uh, Mike usually is the one that writes that stuff, uh, writes that stuff. He's usually the one that writes the show notes and has our show all organized and ready to go. And then as you guys know the format already, it's kind of, he kind of poses a question and posts a thought and then I kind of give my thoughts on it and then kind of bookend the thought and then he kind of gives his thoughts and we kind of do this whole like roundabout tangent over it obviously but uh yeah tonight i was thinking about just kind of ad-libbing it and kind of talking about what comes to mind and bringing up what kind of you know thoughts that may come across so uh uh, mike's doing fine he just needed a evening off um we've been getting some really excellent feedback so so yeah he's doing all right but uh, one thing i wanted to touch on was uh, we've been actually getting some very excellent feedback from our discord servers uh, that uh, me and Mike are a part of, and everybody's been very much liking the show quite a bit. Um, Shout-outs to uh, Gigglebug, obviously, and uh, Spike, Miss Your Brother, and everybody else, and uh, Eli, and everyone on the Discord server from watching it. Um, again, just want you, to, want you guys to know how much I personally deeply appreciate it. Um, it's, it's doing this... Sh- I mean, full transparency, too. It's doing... A podcast is new to me, and doing it sort of where you got your thoughts, you got really deep thoughts. Not that I'm saying I'm a great big, like I'm the smartest person ever, but like when I kind of discuss something, I kind of pull it out from like a really core part of my being. And it's, 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 it's personal for me. It's very personal. I've, a lot of these sh- thoughts that I put out in the podcast so far, we're only at episode five or six, I think they've been very personal to me and I've never shared them. And it's, it's scary sharing what you actually think about a lot of things. It's fun. It's, it's invigorating, but it's scary. I know that, uh, as we grow as a show and as we learn how to do not only our format better, but we like, you know, we, we expand it and we keep shooting. Um, we're going to get a lot more attention. Um, even if it's small scale, large scale, whatever, we're going to get more attention. And I know that we're going to be getting a lot more feedback from a lot of different, for example, sources. And, uh, it's hard. It's hard kind of putting yourself out there, especially on the internet when, um, it's easy to kind of read things and kind of take it personally and take it really hard when maybe, for example, you talk to a person, like someone in person and gives you feedback and you're like, oh, see, that actually makes sense versus like, you know, you did a comedy bit or something or you did like a joke or you're just, you know, you're, you're, you're tipsy, you're half drunk and you're as, as a, as comedic relief. And it's like, Oh, spot spur of the moment. Let's just ingest or pretend to ingest this almost fist size, uh, sphere of Amazonite. Let's just ingest it and see what the joke is. Cause you're having a blast. It's like, it's fun. You enjoy, you enjoy shooting it, but it's also like, it's hard and it's scary kind of putting yourself out there for people to watch and then give you feedback on. So, um, maybe it's the, the process of developing a thick skin. Maybe it's not, but it's, it's been so far in the show. It's been, a, it has been a lot of fun. It's been very rewarding, but, um, uh, kind of, it's, it's also kind of keeping the right frame of mind and not like, you know, seeing everyone is out to get you. Um, I mean, there are times when it really does seem like that. I know that for content creators who've been around, for example, for a long time, um, on YouTube specifically, they, I mean, you're just, you're people, people talk and, 
you know, if you read the comments, a lot of them are very negative or just critical or they want to oversimplify you or take something you said, which might have been a more deeper, richer thought and you want to, and your people want to mischaracterize you and paint you out to be like, oh, you're a white supremacist because you believe in IQ, right? Or, oh, you must be this because you're this. It's like, it's, 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 and I get it, it's the internet, but it's, it's, it's hard because, I mean, it's a scary time because we all know that there's a hate mob out there that if, not just if you piss them off because it's really easy to piss them off, but like the, the fanatics, right? The, the social justice warriors, the communists, um, the people out there that want to just scream, like people, like the average person on Twitter, just cancerous, toxic, abusive people that just want to scream and just put as much pain in your direction as they possibly can and try to make themselves out to be very superior. Um, putting yourself out there for not just a show, show format, but just in general, it's like you kind of have that floating around in your head. I certainly do. And it's kind of like, it's scary. It's scary. Um, I mean, I mean, just for example, doing more comedy style shows, when you're doing these kinds of shows, uh, I mean, it, it's obviously for entertainment and, you know, we're small scale right now, but I kind of think of the words of Jerry Seinfeld, for example, where he had, he mentioned that he, this is like five, four, five, six years ago where he just wouldn't tour at college campuses anymore because everyone would be so offended. And it's, it's kind of developing that thick skin to be able to get up in front of people that are going to mischaracterize you or potentially mischaracterize you, or you are at their mercy to be dissected and ripped apart and digested. It's, it's hard. I, I mean, I think of the words of Teddy Roosevelt, just for example, where he mentioned that there's the person in the ring, right? There's the person in the ring. And then there's the critic that I'll, they just, and I'm paraphrasing to mind you, but where it's like, don't criticize the person in the ring. Cause he's actually doing the work. The critics don't matter. Uh, there's one person, one entrepreneur I look up to who mentioned that criticism gets a lot easier to realize, uh, criticism gets a lot easier to take when you realize that the only people that aren't, aren't criticized are the people that don't take risks. And that, that helps that, having that particular quote in your mind really helps as you kind of venture out and do things that, you know, may or may not pan out well for you. Um, I mean, to be completely honest with you, I, I there's a fear of being doxxed, right? Uh, I, I don't know what, what, what our, to be completely honest with you. Yeah. What, you know, what's our channel going to look like over the next several years? What's our, show going to look like over the next few years. Hopefully it gets better. I'm sticking around for it for the long haul. I'm not dumping it when it gets hard. We'll keep going, but cause I, I just, I'm in love with this format. It's a, it's a lot of fun just being able to kind of give your thoughts and put them out there, not just in front of a camera, obviously, but just like in front of you guys and then hearing your thoughts, um, especially just for example, like hearing all the fantastic feedback we got from last week was just like, thanks. Thank, I mean, sir, genuinely thank you for watching, but yeah, so, uh, I just, I wanted to cover that, uh, you know, in, in whatever time that I have for that matter. But, and like I said, all this is off, off the cuff is kind of just as it comes to me, but it, so a lot of it's figuring it out as we go. I think I've always been kind of the guy that I want to just go out and try it. Like got enough information. Let's go out and try it and let's see how it looks. And then kind of just get a taste of the thing. Right. Like let's sample this dish. Do I want more of it? Do I want less of it? A lot of times it's like you try it and you're like, ah, I don't want this. And you go on to the next thing. But, uh, that's one thing I've always kind of liked about myself is the willingness to go try it and see if it's a good fit. Um, more often than not, you find that a lot of things aren't a good fit. Um, fortunately, Jameson is not one of those, which I'm, I'm, I, uh, this is probably my third, not third glass this evening, but the third glass I've had out of the bottle this week. And it's been, 
I've liked it a lot. I've had it's not a full glass, mind you, like just little half shot size tastes, but it's good stuff. Um, that's actually pretty good timing, but I wanted to kind of share some of my thoughts on. I want to talk a little bit about this evening. This is, like I said, this is coming to my mind. One of the things I wanted to discuss this evening a little bit were my thoughts on fiction. I wanted to talk a little bit about the value of storytelling and fiction. I had, I was listening to a podcast earlier, or correction, it was a YouTube video, where one person was talking about, oh, is it, specifically, it was a Stossel segment on YouTube, uh, talking about, I believe it was Ayn Rand of all people. If you're not familiar with Ayn Rand, she is a famous slash infamous novelist, depending on who you ask, who wrote uh, very, what what would you say, wrote about, the? she's the author people love to hate. She's the author, she wrote, I believe it was 60 years ago, the book Atlas Shrugged, which off the top of my head, I believe, it's either Atlas Shrugged or The Fountainhead, that was 12,000 words. So there's these great big books talking about not just the evils of just government in general, but also the value of selfishness that you're conditioned your whole life to think altruism is the only way. Think about everyone else and their needs. Um, but as you start to, you, you, like, everyone else is more important than me. You start to think that. Um, which may or I don't know if that's necessarily true or not. Uh, I'm kind of sorting a lot of, like, what my own thoughts about it myself. I need to read some of her. But she talked about the virtue of selfishness, that... I'm just as valuable as anyone else and it's okay to value myself and take care of my own needs. It's kind of one of the points among many she would make in her books. And so Sasa was talking about Ayn Rand and talking about like how she's been viewed and how she's been even to this day, like very heavily demonized. And he mentioned that, or one of the, one of the people he had on one of his segments on his channel, he mentioned that they'd said like, you know, the facts are important and facts in a, in an objective way are more important than fiction, but fiction is a way of teaching. Fiction is a way of, of not just storytelling. Fiction is a way of helping someone understand something and learn it. You could take, for example, in, in the case of Jordan Peterson, for example, he's mentioned similar things about mythology in the world is that uh, just for example, the Greek mythology, a lot of this is arranged, or these Greek myth stories and characters are arranged in such a way, they're arranged in such a way where, how do you put it? They're arranged in such a way where they're designed not only to give you a, like a framework of a worldview, they're also trying to teach you psychological principles as well as life principles. So they're trying to impart knowledge, and not just like random stories about how such and such God puts such and such seed into such and such person. It's not not, not something like as, as colorful as that, mind you. It's there, but that's not the point of it. And, and certainly in the case of Peterson, he was contending that these myths are really important because in a way they're more real than life itself, these, these stories, right? And he's mentioned that a little bit, just for example, uh, with biblical myths, right? And biblical myths, not in like a fascist sense of just like, Oh, they're just they're fables, they're stories. It's like, well, they're 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 something bigger than that, right? And this is Peterson who who said they were myths, mind you, or just was mentioning in the context of like like these meta tales, like these archetypes that we tell about people and men and women and how people have lived through the ages and like what virtue is. It's giving it's imparting a worldview. I think of I believe it was a book by Richard Smith who, if you're, you're more, more than likely not familiar with him, he was a uh, just passed away this past week. 
or about two weeks ago, I should say, he he and his wife Connie Connie Richard Smith they were missionaries to some forgotten tribes in or not forgotten tribes isolated tribes in South America and they had come and they not only had brought brought the Bible to to a lot of these people they also had um, taught them a lot of they had to get to know them they had to get to know the language and so that they in them learning their own culture. Uh, the tribes were able to learn about them. And one of the things Richard had pointed out when he was there with his wife was that how they taught, how this particular tribe taught things was they their language had more had words for and correspondence to things that were relevant and important to them. So, for example, grass is a lot more important to this tribe than, say, flowers. Like, they only had one word for flower, but they had many words for different types of grass because grass was more useful. You use it as building materials and you use it as... I mean, construction for certain types of crafts as well. So it's more useful in that regard. I think they only had like, just for example as well, they only had one word for the word blue or something like that. Like grass was blue. It's like it was this sort of an all-encompassing color where you had green and blues, and that was all kind of under this word of, of, of their word for blue. But what Richard had mentioned was that the encompassing thing was that they taught the language and they taught in and the framework of stories. And Richard had pointed it out in his book on battling dark forces that it was a way of a very effective, pragmatic and effective way of giving sort of a holistic view of the world. And that's what a story can do. That's what storytelling can do. That's what fiction can do. It's taking all this complicated mess of the world and what life is and seems like, right? It simplifies in ways that are very easy to grasp and easy to follow because and then it, it, it formats it in a way where it's like it all kind of makes sense. It's like, for example, like you read history and it sometimes it kind of can feel very disjointed or how is this relevant to me or how is this important or how do you look at history? There's so much information out there. Having a guiding mind, for example, having a historian's guiding mind, like, you know, got people like Herodotus, for example, in the 8th century BC who would write about the Persians. Actually, correction, I think it was the 5th century BC, if, if I recall correctly. But Herodotus wrote about the Persians and the Greeks, um, really famous author um fantastic read uh, his book um histories but herodotus kind of t told this narrative of winding his way through you know the people of not just the middle east for example when per when the persian empire was around uh, the uh ancient Iranians, uh, but also the Greek states and how they kind of gotten tied into the conflicts that they had with each other and how the Persian army uh, came about invading the Greek states and, you know, Battle of Marathon. All this kind of information. Herodotus ties it all through a consistent, like, a thread, a narrative, right? And that's what storytellers in general do. Not that they're making it up. I mean, it's con certainly in context of fiction, yes, but it's, it's in a way of taking you almost in your with your mind out of the burdens of reality, just for example, and putting it in a hypothetical where you don't have all this emotion attached. Like you've got all this emotion attached to all these pieces of everything in reality and it mean very specific things. But when you hop into fiction, you're able to kind of start from fresh to some degree. In a way, it's like returning to childhood to some degree, if you kind of think about it. You don't, you're not tied up in all these expectations of reality. You're tied up in a world where there's more hypotheticals where there's things to explore, but more specifically, you can take just, you can distill the most important things in life and just put it into that narrative, right? And you're able to tell a much more, um, like I said, the thread, that narrative of a beginning, middle and end. And you know, history is obviously one big story, mind you, but you need that helping hand. You need someone to guide you as you're learning about all this stuff. GK Chesterton, which bingo, uh, Chica Chesterton said that fiction, he said, literature is a luxury, 
fiction is a necessity. And I love that quote so much. I, I wrote it on a piece of paper and then I stuck it to my wall. And I, I think about that all the time of why is it so important? What, because I, I've always noticed when I watch a cartoon, for example, or watch not just not just a nonfiction cartoon, but like an actual cartoon, like maybe sometimes anime, sometimes not really like American cartooning. But you watch either that or you watch um, a play or you watch a film or you read a book, especially reading books, which are just fantastic. You're reading this stuff or you're engaging with this stuff and you're following this whole thread of this of the story. And it, it draws something out of you that I think, certainly speaking for personal experience, it draws something out of me that nonfiction tends to not, unless it's written in a particular way. If, if the nonfiction is written just like a story, then you could follow it really easily. Other times it's like, I don't want to read a textbook. I don't want to read a book like, a, like an engineer's instruction manual. Not to bash those things, but speaking as a creative type myself, it's hard to engage with that kind of stuff. Where fiction is, like I said, fiction is very engaging. Um, and I think there's something universal about it that about universal human experience that we all kind of have over the course of our lives that fiction seems to be able to almost tap into. You got something, for example, you take the Lord of the Rings films, which, you know, if you haven't seen them, when you, when you get a chance to see them, they are treats. Like you're in for a treat. If you've never seen the extended, all three of the extended films of Lord of the Rings, it's just, it's, it's, it's a joy ride. It's just so fantastic to watch. And you get into like, just for example, like you get into these epic narratives that you get so invested in the story where you start not only seeing yourself in the, in the role of the character, but you also empathize with the characters and you feel like you're right there with them as they're, you know, in the case of Frodo taking the ring to Mordor, right. To, to battle with the forces of evil where they're able to pull something out of you that you maybe didn't even know about yourself when you're reading a, when you're reading a piece of literature or fiction and it pulls something out of you or like, aha, you see, that's the thing that I always thought was there or I kind of intuitively knew, but didn't have words for, and you just put words to it. Uh, there's a, there's a passage I think in Proverbs where Solomon had said, for example, that a wise man is, I'm going to take this pipe. For example, a wise man is like almost like a ladle and you're reaching really, really deep out down into the well, and it's pulling out these really, really deep waters, and the waters of the human heart, of like reaching down and pulling out something deep that you always kind of knew was true, and someone, like I just said, someone put words to it, or someone's able to, aha, you see, that that distills the knowledge that I've had in a way that makes sense. I've, just for example, watching Jordan Peterson lectures, there have been a lot of things he said that's like, oh, that's why the way the world is, or that's what that makes perfect sense, or thank you for stating something so plainly obvious that I don't know why we're questioning this as a society right now, or um, questioning just something fundamental like, why do we breathe oxygen, right? Thank you for pointing out why this is the way it is. Like, why is the world so effed up? Thank you for explaining or that's why people act that way. Or that's why people act. That way. So I'm just with all this stuff, I'm, I'm trying not to ramble, but I'm, what I'm just mentioning with all this stuff here is that th there's something almost like a magic to storytelling that and fiction that just does these things to people where it's like, it makes you come alive. And I think that that's kind of the, the key component of it is it's almost like crafted pretending or like, create like constructive imagination where you're almost like if you can see like in the case of ender's game i mean orson scott card does a fantastic job of not only putting you in the role of the main character ender but also making it feel like 
well, so this is maybe what it feels like to be a gifted person or someone who's like a genius, right? This is what it feels like. And if Ender could do it, I can do it, right? Or if I can visualize myself of that thing happening, it can happen. And it's, I think that that's, I think that's where the, the power of it really comes in is that it taps into that imagination center of your mind where what if, because life isn't, speaking from personal experience, it's not so much your limitations or the way the world is that's important right now. That's that's not it. It's how you envision the world, how you envision yourself, what you visualize. It's you feel that, that this is what's going to happen. And you it starts not just to manifest, right? But the that kind of just happens in general. It's like to build something, you have to have it in your mind's eye first. And then once you kind of start, it kind of gets fed into your brain over and over again. It starts to kind of become a part of your of your, of the way you think of, of the, of your, of the way your system operates. Like if you keep feeding, um, that's, that's the beauty of, of the mind is that it really genuinely does become what it is fed. I think Tony, uh, Jay Schwartz, who wrote, I think it was Trump's art of the deal. Um, many years ago, he ghost wrote it. He said the same thing is like the mind really is what it is fed. And I've certainly noticed that as well, um, coming from, you know, an abusive background, abusive childhood, that when you kind of fixate on the trauma, it makes it worse. It makes it like, how do you function out of this stuff? Right. Versus I can't get out of this versus like when you get the healing and then you can feel it's like, okay, all the weeds, all the gunk, all the garbage, all the, all the rot is gone. Now you can fix it on building something new and you're not having something constantly ripping in your mind, pulling you back. It's let's build something new. Right. And that's that imagination center that I was talking about. So you got all these pieces in play that it really with fiction, it, it's the, it's it's that part of the brain where it kind of seems to to tap into. So I think I think I kind of made that point pretty well. I'm sure it's understood. I'm trying, like I said, I'm trying not to repeat myself, but it's you know I'm I'm a verbal processor, so and I'm sure you guys probably know that by now. So it's just it's just kind of the way I am. But maybe <laughs> maybe in the future I'll have it all written out, and then I could just present an essay in like five minutes instead of like in the time it took to kind of present that idea. But I'm like, like I said, I'm just trying to get something across as best I can, certainly in that regard. But there's that. There's fiction where... Like I said, it just I guess the best way of putting it is it makes you come alive. And if you kind of gain knowledge from doing that, um, you know, enjoy enjoy the way it, you enjoy gaining knowledge. So right, right now we're about at the 23-minute mark. Um, this is usually where Mike would step in and I would interject Mr. Sock Puppet and say, well, you see, this is what I think, this blah, 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 blah. Mike doesn't sound like that. But my, uh, you have that, or he'd be, sorry, sorry. He would, he would come in and ask, like, hey, let's go on to the next topic and let's go on to this. Like, you're right, Mike, let's go from talking about this thing to go on to the next thing. Let's do that. <laughs> I wish I packed a pipe before I started shooting, but. We're blank deep right now, so we're committed. So, but it's these are I mean these are the kind of discussions we would have at my at my literature club. Is I I don't know what 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 is it that you know in history you look to these famous people these 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 not just captains of industry right not just these captains of industry but you've also have these people that you've got these people that are these figureheads these great men these great women who seem to step out and make so much change in the world and transform so much of the planet 
sometimes good for bad, whatever it is, but good or evil. But people are they they transform everything around them, and you remember them, and you also remember these fictional characters too. Like that's what I think is like just for example the power of stuff like Star Wars, right? Luke Skywalker is sort of like your sci-fi skin of a, you know, not just a knight in shining armor, but he's also the hero's journey. And he's also just, he just comes across so endearing because you feel like you're him in the films. You really can feel like you're in the guy's role or in his shoes or like Han Solo. It's like these characters are archetypes, but you still kind of, because they're archetypes, you they, they, there's a reason why they're archetypes. They've been around for so long. And because you can fit your, you know, own personality or who you are in them. And it's, it's cool stuff. It's really cool stuff. Especially like what's really fun when you're watching a film or a movie. It's like, Hey, that's me. Or I can see myself so much as that character. And I think that that's also kind of the power, not just the power of fiction, but it pulls at you in that, in that regard too. And I think that like I was saying earlier, that sort of constructive imagination, that's kind of a key component, how it feeds into that. I can see myself doing that. I can see myself doing this. I can see myself doing that. And it's, um, I think it's powerful for sure. But, you know, when you, why fictional characters stick with us for years and years afterwards. Um, I have one of my friends in my writing club, Haley, love you, hon. Um, she mentions that one of her favorite characters in Mass Effect, for example, is Garrus Vicarian. Um, if you're not familiar with Mass Effect, he's one of the alien characters that kind of sticks by you. He's sort of like your buddy cop bro dude. If you're the male character, if you're a female character, you have the option to romance him. But he's kind of like the cool customer, like, hey, Shepard, how's it going? Uh-huh. He's kind of that cool like I got your back, everything's kind of chill, I'm awesome. He's a great character. He's an absolutely fantastic character. And she that when you play the games, you kind of get attached to not only people like Garrus, for example, but you get attached to these other characters, other personalities that not only the voice actors did a lot of work to clearly bring these characters alive, but visually they they really they're aliens, but they feel like real people and you feel like, wow, that's a person that I can really get invested in. And same thing with stuff like sometimes with Star Trek, like you get attached to some of these characters like Q from Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. Who, sorry, correction. He he was made cameos in Deep Space Nine. He was primarily in a Next Generation. But Q, uh, played by John Delancey, I think his name is. Fantastic actor. And he's this sort of off-the-wall, um, spur-of-the-moment, like, ha-ha, I see I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. And, oh, I'm going to challenge everything that you stand for to see if you're really this person. He's that sort of character. He's sort of like the next generation's version of Loki from the Marvel films. He's a lot like that. He's in the vein of that archetype and he's a very memorable, enjoyable character. Like the, the whole, I mean, what's fantastic about characters like Q, for example, is that they take over the room they're in. It's like, I'm, it's all about me. Yes. Give me your attention, folks. I'm going to. And then he's also a character where he can shape shift, not only himself, but others around him and the whole perception of, um, of the people of the room he's in. So it's like, yes, I'm, I'm God. And it's like, sort of like walks in. It's like, hello, the stage is all mine. And it's all about me. And if anyone says otherwise, it's like, up oh, out the airlock with you. That's kind of how the character behaves. Right. So he's very memorable. Or you've got characters like, I'll take, for example, an anime. I really got into, um, Naruto. I really, really genuinely enjoy Naruto. Um, I'm only on the first season of the show. I haven't watched it in a bit. What's like the character of Naruto Uzumaki. He's somebody that like is sort of embodies that sense of hard grit determination. And I'm going to be like, just for example, over the show, he says, I'm going to, I'm going to be the next Hokage. I'm going to be the next Hokage. This was like the, the tribal leader of the, of the village or the clan leader, I should say. Uh, of the ninja village and there's this something 
inside, and the, the author put a lot of himself in it, in the character, because he always, the author of, of Naruto wanted to be a manga artist. He wanted to be one of the best in the world, and he kept working on it for years and years and years. Tons of rejection um, for like 10 years straight, and finally he just strikes up with Naruto, and then he just explodes. But there's that raw grit and determination that's going to carry you through it, and through it, and through it, until you kind of get what you want. That's Naruto, who he, who he uh, embodies, but also some of the supporting characters in the show, too, like the very different characters. Um, but on that point of sort of raw grit and determination, you just see, for example, in Naruto's author, it reminds me as well of um, a quote by the entrepreneur Gary Vaynerchuk. And Gary Vaynerchuk mentioned in an Instagram video, I saw it this week, and I'm so happy he posted this, was that how... Gary, you've you're a very successful entrepreneur and you're really really famous around the world and everyone loves you. How do you deal with with when you lose? And then he and he's got this uh he's in a car and I should post the link to this. But he's in the car and then he says with effing excitement when I lose. Winners lose. Winners lose a lot. A lot. And then that's that's the whole video. And so what he's was getting across is that I know I'm a winner because I'm losing because I keep losing, keep losing, keep losing until finally I win. And that's, and that's kind of what I've noticed not only about successful people, but entrepreneurs is that people have this perception that, Oh, they just instantly got successful and everything worked out for them. No, it's like this upward slope of like failure and failure and failure and failure and failure, but you keep going, you keep take getting smacked in the face. I'm getting grabbed by the back of your neck and just shoved in the ground and get the crap kicked out of you. And you keep getting up until you keep going. It's that, it's that determination, right? You love the climb up, even if it's hard and you keep going, you outlasting people to finally you get where you want to be. So having a chat with my, my brother right before he left and I, I didn't get to this, but I was kind of briefly touching on this because we were talking about jobs and employment. And I was thinking about this and I said, you know, I think the reason why I've tried so many different things, just for example, is that I've been trying to find things I've liked and I've enjoyed long enough to stick with them for longer periods of time. It's not an avoidance, just for example, of having a career. It's not an it's not a avoidance of having a stable job or getting bored with it, because let's face it, I mean, that is honestly the case with a lot of these jobs I've had. They've been so unbelievably boring after six months to a year. I'm like, I sick of this. I can't make myself do this. This, the job is like this boredom is like plaque on my soul. I just can't breathe in this. I got to try something else. And so I finally found something I really, really liked. And it's like, this is fantastic. And it's, you know, you kind of get the sense with what I do for work right now. Um, in sales, like this is something that I feel like I'm really intuitively good at. And it feels like something I was meant to do, um, in a lot of ways. But the reason why I mentioned that is because it's like, if I want to be successful in sales, good job, because you enjoy it, because you'll keep sticking with it as you ride up there. If you hate the whole process of it, well, you're not going to stay with it for very long and you're going to hate the ride up there and you just, it's not something you'll, you'll last on doing, but just by sheer enjoyment, you'll win by default because you haven't given up. So I just mention that because you, if you, if you like what you're doing and you're enjoying the ride up, like I said, and that you, you know, like to lose or that you can lose, right. And you don't give up. You're going to get there. Um, what, whatever the goal is, mind you, um, in terms of just not just general success, but just like, like achieving these bigger things that these great men of history have achieved, um, whatever it may be, you've got these people that have impacted the world by quite a bit. So you've got all those things in play. And I was, I've, I've been, I've been thinking about that lately and cause it, it kind of, cause it kind of seems hard sometimes, right? 
Um, a lot. Me and one of my friends, uh, one of my pub buddies, uh, Devin and I, we one of the things that we both have kind of struggled with over the years is that we have this really, really big, almost vision expectation of ourselves and our minds, and we don't live up to it, and so that kind of creates this lack of self-respect and this lack of acceptance and lack of, um, not just respectability, but just like, oh man, I just want to get to this thing and be this thing that I envision myself to be, and you're not happy till you get there. It's hard. It's it's really hard. And uh, Sam and I were talking. Um, one of my friends, Sam, about the same thing. And uh, yeah, it, it hits you hard. Um, even with the you know, as my friend's dad, uh, he had uh, he said something similar. He said like I've just been trying to find for so much of my life this thing that I want, and he got married. He's like I I like I'll provide for us, but I just want to do something I like. And uh, really find meaning with, and finally he did. He's a he's a full time fireman, but you kind of have to go on, go on that journey until you find not only who you are and what your identity is, because you know wherever you go, there you are, right? But not just that; it's like you have to go out and find it, and then when you find it, you can kind of bring it back and you can kind of build something out of it. And that's uh, just it's a nice feeling, kind of feeling like you have time to figure yourself out and figure out your life, but. Um, it's all this, like I said, like going from here to like all the way back to our earlier conversation about fiction. It's like, this is kind of how it all kind of ties together. It's just kind of great big envelope of all these kind of thoughts tying around, but it's, it's, it's good stuff. Um, I had this whole, <laughs> it's funny when I got home, I had this whole comedic, uh, I was going to do a bunch of, bunch of comedy jokes and then it kind of turned a little more serious tonight, but, um, <sighs> yeah, thanks for skipping out on the podcast, Mike. What I should, you know, it's funny. What I should have done is just got a, a bunch of picture, like a printed out a picture of just a bunch of swear words. Like you can't censor this friend rank. F you. Just go around. <laughs> just go around and like just swear my butt off. And there's like, you can't censor all this stuff, Mike. You have to post it as it is. But it's good stuff. Um. I think it's all I got. You know, I definitely can't. I, I can't do this without Mike. I need you, man. I need you, bud. But we also have to prepare more to talk about. But that kind of is this whole kind of encompassing thing, and it's it's. I hope that if, with with you guys watching, that if any of this is just helpful, um, you know, post a comment saying, "Hey, hey, Banks, hey." Appreciate what you said. I know you maybe haven't figured out your whole life yet, but that kind of helped me empathize with you or your experience seems similar to mine. And thanks for just, you know, being honest or something. If any of it's helpful, just drop a comment, obviously. But I kind of just, as I get older, I kind of, I think about the claw hand, boys. I think about, I hope that, it's it's my earnest hope that I can help uh, both young men and women, but just help a lot of the younger people. You know, I'm only 26, but help other help the preceding the generations after me, including my own children. And when I have some someday, is 
I just want to help them accept themselves and be willing to go try things until they kind of get an understanding of not only who they are, but what they enjoy, but also figuring themselves out and making that as easy for people as possible that you've got this shining light of the true you inside yourself. And once you have that, follow that torch, right? That inner fire in your gut, right? Fall, not just follow your heart, follow your gut, follow your intuition, right? Well, that second brain almost is, right? You follow that deep person inside you that, that you're in a sense, your conscience, right? Not like just this magical voice or like a demonic voice of just something in your head, but like I said, in your gut where it's your, the true use in there. And you kind of, I think intuitively you kind of know what you need to do, but sometimes you need to go through a lot of experiences to kind of be able to distill that or figure that out. And then as you get more information on yourself and the world, you're able to make those decisions. But it's, I think of the words of Brandon Sanderson who wrote Mistborn. He said in a lecture, he said, as you kind of go out in the world, it's just a lot of it is, it's just figuring out how you work. And because you don't have an operating manual on yourself and you most certainly don't have an operating manual on life or other people, but the one person you can figure out is yourself and you figure out what kind of person you are. Like be really truthful and honest. You're going to see things about yourself. You don't necessarily like, but you know, you figure out your flaws and you figure out what you resonate with and like how you function the best and what, what becomes of that. Right? Like one thing I notice about myself as a, as a creative producer that I usually start like I have to feed my brain. Like it's like, it's like a fiction tank. Like I was saying earlier, right. I have to feed myself fiction. I have to feed myself storytelling. I have to feed myself movies and, and, uh, uh, you know, books, for example, uh, fiction books, like stories on myths, getting ideas for stories until finally it's just like, Oh, you have time to write. And the brain just takes off like fire and you just start writing. Um, but once you kind of know your process, you can kind of trust it as, as you kind of go on. But, it's, it's, it really is a process of figuring yourself out. And sometimes it takes, you know, sometimes people have themselves figured out when they're 18 or 15 or tw or 12. Sometimes people have themselves figured out at 62. It, it's a process, I think. And I think a lot of us want to, I mean, my, speaking from personal experience, I think a lot of people, we kind of put pressure on people or we, I know a lot of pressure was put on me to figure myself out or and I think a lot of it was, I, I think I put it on myself, but I just hurry up and figure out what you want to do and go do it. And I think it's taken a lot of time to do that. I know there's a lot of contentment uh, within me right now, just for example, but it's, it is, it is nice. Once you have that framework, you can kind of just build off of that. But until you do, it's really freaking hard. But uh, if, if there are any, any viewers today who are kind of struggling with that self-acceptance, just speaking from a little personal experience, if you can be patient with it and you surround yourself with people that you really resonate with, it, it gets a lot easier. Once you kind of fill up your mind with more truth about who you are and what you want to do with your life and what you just basically just what interests you, right? It's the way Chesterton put it. It's like, you know, everyone's trying to fit, make their souls fit to something out here when the reality is the things out here should fit to your souls, right? You make the world fit to not just your needs, right? But that the world is, it's not that your soul is malleable and the world is rigid and solid. It's just the opposite. You can only do what you're interested in. You can't go do any, what you want to go do in life. You can't just do anything you want to do. 
you have to do what interests you. You have to do what gives you energy. If you're an account, if you get energy by being an accountant and doing taxes, you have to do that. If you get energy being an actor, you have to do that, right? It's what you breathe. It's what you can't live without, or you have to do to breathe, or like like breathing. It's comparable to breathing or eating, but all this stuff is kind of just stuff I've learned over the last five or six years, and it's been it's been nice. It's been nice kind of learning this and kind of getting to a point of that self-acceptance. But I, I mentioned all that stuff. I do kind of wish I had a couple jokes lined up. But uh, I guess I'm, I guess we're more in a thoughtful mood this evening, children. <laughs> yes. We'll have another more sip of our Jameson whiskey. Yes. I'll tell you one. I know something that pisses me off, though. Freaking lockdown bullcrap. Look, I know that there's a virus out there. I get that. I And I'm not denying there's a virus out there. But for sake, like, you, when people are sick, you lock up who's sick, right? You isolate who's sick. You don't just lock up. You don't just tell uh, the healthy, like, you have to stay locked up, like, stay in your home, so you have to stay in... Um, there's only so many, we'll have restrictions on um, what you can and can't do. I'm sick of wearing masks. I'm sick of wearing, not being able to go to the gym when I want to. I'm sick of these stupid hours. I'm sick of not being able to go to the pub. I'm sick and tired of not being able to go swimming for sake and not being able to go to the hot tub. It's like, you're, it's so asinine. Number one, that it's like, this is gigantic scam. It's what it fe it genuinely feels like that. It feels like there's this prearranged thing like, oh, you see, we, yeah, we have a vaccine, but oh, there's a new strain now, so you have to keep the masks on. Or oh, oh, just when you think everything's going to start turning back to the way it was, which remember the way it was. Don't forget it. They don't want you to remember. Remember the way it was. But like, oh, it's like, oh, we can't, we can't open your business now, you know. Oh, you, oh, your business isn't working now. That's too bad. It's like, F you, man. You're, it's like you, you're killing small businesses and it's like you're looking for excuses just to keep locking it down because you think it's funny. That's what it, it just comes across that way. People wonder why I want to leave a blue state. It's like I'm sick and freaking tired of not just the high taxes. I'm sick of that. But just like I'm sick of just this arbitrary. It, fe it feels genuinely arbitrary. And I'm like, OK, first of all, I don't listen to like mainstream media outlets. So I'm not panicked. You know, Waltz, I don't know who the F you listen to on the regular basis, but if you're listening to CNN, they're just going to create a bunch of mass panic for you to keep the state locked down. It wouldn't surprise me if, if Biden does indeed get in, which is, looks like it, that we're just going to do a, a gigantic lockdown um, sometime in, you know, the early few months of his presidency or do it sometime in the summer and thing. And then there's going to be a lot more mass panic about it. And you're going to see a lot of America. I'm calling it now. There's going to be, not just mass panic about the masks, right? There's not going to be just that. It's also... New strain, and you have to keep mask on all the time. You have to wear gloves, and you can't go out. And it's like, oh, we have to keep ratcheting it down. It's like, you know what? I'm calling it now. Here's what I'm calling right now. There's going to be a giant mass lockdown. And in some places, you may not be allowed to go to the grocery store. Maybe, maybe you will. I don't know. But there's going to be a mass lockdown by Biden if he gets in, if, if he does, you know, all this issue of voter fraud, if that doesn't get resolved. 
the Republicans would grow a if they grow a spine, which they more than likely won't. Uh, maybe Trump would have a shot. I don't know. But the thing is, is that if Biden gets in, I'm picturing a long mass rock lockdown. I'm picturing big, uh, a lot more riots and a lot more civil unrest. And I'm picturing that um, Black Lives Matter is going to make a comeback and Antifa is going to make a comeback. Like there's going to be someone shot in the summer and Black Lives Matter and Antifa are going to riot, riot, riot. And they're going to run like around like crazy because a lot of the police forces in these big cities are going to be heavily defunded. If that, which I really sincerely think they're going to, it's going to be a momentum thing. Like it's going to start in a couple cities and then they're all going to start doing it slowly over a few years. And I'm also picturing uh, false flag terrorist attacks where what the what the what the Dems are going to do? They're going to say radical Trump supporters, radical militias, or they're going to say these seventeen seventy six patriots, or these MAGA guys. They're actually white supremacist Nazis, and they're conducting bombings, and they're violently attacking us, and they're terrorizing us, and so therefore we need to have violent crackdowns on them from the police state. And they're going to demon not just demonize Trump supporters. I'm not like like not only that, they're also going to. I've got a feeling they're going to, it's basically going to, people are going to be scared, um, not just to leave their homes, but people are going to be scared of supporting Trump or anything. Uh, they're going to make Trump seem like a four letter word. Like he's literally Hitler. Um, they're going to talk about how terrible of a job Trump did, but I'm expecting a lot of like, not only just the false flag stuff, um, to justify more lock, not, not just justify more lockdowns, but justify persecution of, of Trump supporters, especially in government. Um, pro-Trump people. So I don't think things are going to get better, and I think that uh, they've effectively normalized the masks enough where I don't think people are going to fight back enough. If, if there's a point where people say, we've had enough, we're done with this, we're tired of wearing masks, we're tired of all this crap, which you should, I'm sick of it. But my whole point, I'll probably start closing with this, is that they have to keep you in a state of fear so you don't push back at the the, the coming tyranny we're going to start seeing. I think in politics over the next several years, to what extent, I don't know what that looks like. I think we're going to see higher taxes. I think we're going to see a lot of radical left agendas being pushed not only on Biden, but Biden's handlers who who control him. Um, or I think are going to be pushing for that too. And I'm not optimistic. I'm not optimistic. I don't, and, I, and as a, as an individual on the ground, I'm kind of just thinking to myself, like, I don't know how I, what I can do, um, but I'll find something. Podcast is a way to at least, talk about it a bit. I'm going to scoosh up. Um, talk about these issues, but it's frustrating because he just feels so helpless. I certainly feel just helpless with all this political unheaval, upheaval, my mistake. But it's all, it's, I just wish I could do more. And let's see what happens on January 6th. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what Trump's plan is. I don't know what anyone's plans are. But that is one thing that I think that we're going to see like 1984 style stuff, like not just surveillance, but justification of persecuting conservatives to some degree. Um, to what extent, I don't know, but they're going to paint them like they're Nazis. And I really, I really think they're going to do that. And they're not going to hold any punches. Like if you think it was bad, like what they did to Trump, they're going to start doing that to conservatives. Um, hopefully I'm wrong, you know? Hopefully I'm not being prophetic. I'm like, oh, I hope I'm overreacting and everything's okay. And Biden turns out to be a moderate president. I sincerely doubt that. But hey, maybe I'm wrong. And I'd like to be wrong on some of this stuff because I don't, I've read, uh, I've read uh, 
a good portion of the uh, biography on Stalin and what it's like living under state terror in, in the Soviet Union, for example. And I know what state terror looks like um, from a lot of the accounts in uh, communist China. So it's not going to be fun. And it's going to be really, really horrific for a long time. I'm concerned it will be. Uh, I hope not. I hope not. I hope they're not just arbitrarily shutting off power to certain regions or certain parts of the country. I sincerely hope not, but <sighs> when you have sociopaths running the government, when they just worship power at power at all costs, what can you do? Right? So it's, it's, it's disparaging and it's, or it's, um, what's the phrase? It's, it feels so helpless. I feel like a drop in the great big rainstorm, but, uh, um, personally, I'm just going to keep praying about it and then asking God what he wants me to do on it and see if I can get some clarity from him. So I think it probably wraps up this week. Uh, moving forward, I think in the next, with my next paycheck, I'm going to be purchasing a upgraded webcam and I'm going to be in the process of slowly upgrading the, uh, quality on my end of our shoots and seeing, you know, improving that in that regard. So stay tuned for that. I'm going to talk to Mike about improving some of our formats for our, our thumbnails on YouTube. We'll see. It's probably going to take some work. I might need to draw them. But uh, yeah, um, thanks for uh, thanks for watching, folks. Really appreciate it a lot. Um, please comment, share, like, do anything you can. Share this podcast with people. Um, feedback, positive, negative, I want to hear it. Post it in the comments. Tell me what you liked. Tell me what you disliked. And tell me what uh, you know what worked and what didn't. And we'll take that. I just want to make the best podcast for you. So just tell me how I did. And we're going to do better moving forward. But, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe in like a few years we can launch a Patreon or something. But for now, we're just, it's all free stuff. And we're just going to keep releasing it for free. Um, no, any plan. I mean, maybe we'll sell a t-shirt. But we're only at episode six. So it's way too early talking about that. But, uh, yeah, thanks for watching. And um, I hope you guys have a very pleasant evening. And thanks for making this possible because we wouldn't be here without you. So uh, bless you guys. Uh, Mike will be back next week. Um, I'm going to kick his ass. Better believe that out, Mike, but I'm going to kick your ass. But yeah, it's good stuff. So uh, thanks for listening. I really appreciate it a lot. And uh, in the future, we have had some talks about having some guests on. So uh, stay tuned for that. We'll find out the best time to do that as we kind of get our feet settled on how the podcast format works out. But I really love you guys. I really appreciate you. And, uh, um, I hope you come away with the feeling that I'm here for you. Um, I'm trying to make a show that's entertaining for you that you enjoy. It's not about me. I know I can pretend to be egotistical at times, but it's about you. And I want to, I want, I want to kind of create that feeling and grow that feeling. Uh, after the show. So thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And I hope you guys have a very pleasant evening. Um, God bless and uh, take care. So thank you so much. Hey folks, if you liked what you saw, be sure to follow us on Facebook and now on Parlor. God bless.